Welcome to the campfire, the only place where friends and strangers alike sit down and tell tales in truth or fiction in exchange of my blessing of their safe travels. Allow me to relight the fire while you relax and listen. Make your mind wander about the reality we live in. This story I'm about to tell you tonight is called My Grandfather Spoke Dozens of Languages. His final words were a warning in a language no one's heard of. Part 2 from user Max Voynich. Sit back, relax, and fall asleep as you listen to our tales. I and Dot didn't talk for a while after that. It's a heavy thing, a man's soul. Weighs on your mind even after you finish talking about it. But I couldn't help a thought that slowly crawled into my mind. The urge to know about Gutter, about my grandfather, about my family. Dot, you don't happen to know anyone who speaks Gutter, do you? I mean, the other type. Dot stared at his feet. You sure you want to do this, Max? People who speak real Gutter, they're not like you or me. There's a stain on their souls, somewhere. It's a dirty language. I had to. The question seemed to get bigger and bigger the more I thought about it. I had to know. The first rumblings of thunder rolled in with the rain, and even our shelter under the tree was beginning to leak. Through the silhouette of the branches I could make out street lights, shadows moving, a sense that the storm was hiding something. The rustling of the leaves turned into an organic chatter above us. I'm sure, Dot. He let out a long sigh, and I offered him another cigarette. You're just like your father, you know that. Stubborn as a mule. The difficulty is, it's not cheap to find. Sure, I know a few people, but how much? Hundred now, hundred after would do the trick. I couldn't help but smile. Sure, at this point I was so desperate I'd have paid far more. I had the money on me. In fact, that had been something my grandfather had taught me. I remember him telling me when I was just a boy, always keep enough on you for a train out of town, and a room for the night. And I'd listened. I thought about other pieces of advice he'd offered me over the years. He always spoke to me like I was an adult. I remember when I was 13 and hurt my neighbor John when he'd pushed the game too far and something inside me had snapped. I'd knocked him over and stamped on his hand until his fingers broke, and I didn't realize his hand was on a rock, honest. I thought it was mud and he was screaming because he was scared. I remembered how the guilt had turned me inside out bit by bit, starting with my stomach and then my lungs and my face had flushed and I'd said sorry so many times it was like it was the only word I knew. I remember him sitting down next to me, seeing how angry I was at myself. I was trying to understand how I'd done something so bad. I remember thinking of all the stories I loved, of how the good guys never did anything like this, never hurt their friends so bad they went to the hospital and thought that I'd never be able to be like them again. I thought that if I was the protagonist of a film everyone would stop watching here, they'd turn to each other and say we don't want him to win, and just as I felt like this new feeling was going to swallow me alive he said, this is how it feels, this is how it'll feel if you do it again. There are two souls in every man, Max. Life's just finding out which one's in charge. Dot pulled me from my daydream. I'm off. Suddenly I've got plans for my evening. He waved the small bundle of notes in my face. Give me your number. I'll call if I find anything. Shouldn't take long. He offered me a tattered notebook, and I had to hunch over it to stop the occasional drop of rain making the ink run. 
I had to flick through a few pages of strange sketches, bees, butterflies, moths, all in the same shaky hand. He took the book back and we stood for a while, looking at the sheets of rain from under the tree, working out when to take the plunge. His eyes seemed to be focused on something else as if he was tracking something moving out there. For a second he lost his warm exterior and seemed very old, and I could see that he hadn't lived this lawn by accident and that he knew things most men didn't. Knew things most men didn't have to find out. He didn't face me when he spoke again. Be careful out there tonight, boy. Water's rising. With that he was off into the rain, pulling his coat over his head and leaping over puddles. I made my way back home, hugging the buildings and trees to stay out of the rain. The cold was beginning to seep through my clothes and into my skin, nipping at exposed flesh. As I approached my house, I could see a figure standing outside, arms wrapped around themselves to keep warm. My heart skipped a beat who, why? They were directly outside my front gate, moving to and fro. The rain had turned into a thin mist, which obscured my vision slightly, but as soon as I saw the figure they saw me too, and marched straight up to me, immediately shouting. But their words were stolen by the wind. I could see the face of a young woman, a mad bird's nest of hair thrown about by the wind, and as she got closer I could make out small clips of what she was saying. What the fuck are you playing at? Such anger so quickly threw me off guard, and for a few seconds, I was lost for words, stood in the street stammering. You and your family, what do you think you're doing? My ma saw him, yesterday, standing in a puddle just watching our house. Shit, is this a joke? She's inconsolable. Is that funny to you? I tried to reply, but there were so many questions my mouth couldn't make the words. I know it's not a joke. This is bad. Bad. I could make out a tattoo that covered her neck, a moth, that would seem to vibrate whenever she shouted like it was fluttering around a candle. It's Omi. She stood for a second, looking me up and down and shaking her head, like telling me her name warranted a bigger response. Are you going to invite me in? I mumbled an apology, said she didn't look how I'd expected, to which she replied what the fuck did you expect? And that shut me up until we were in my hallway. We were both soaked to the skin, and she was shivering now, although trying to hide it by clenching her jaw. I spoke up. What's this about, Amy? Last time we spoke you didn't seem to be my biggest fan. She cut me off. I'm not. Did you pay for this house? I hadn't. In fact, it had been left to me by my grandfather, but I thought it was best not to mention that. I shook my head. Thought so. Look, my ma saw him, Artie, by our house. She hasn't left her room since. You said you saw him when your grandfather passed away. Yeah, he appeared the day he passed. I was going to mention Gutter, mention the fact I think my grandfather was trying to tell Artie something. But I stopped short. I didn't trust her yet. She was, in all honesty, a total stranger. A stranger who'd barged their way into my house and berated me for things I had no control over. Look, Amy. She cut me off again, but this time with a clear, crisp SHH. When she spoke, it was in a low whisper. Is your house always this? Wet. I looked around. I hadn't actually noticed it at first, so caught up in whatever was going on with Amy, this tiny angry woman with an ink black throat who'd suddenly appeared in the storm, that I'd failed to notice that my whole house was dripping wet. There was water coating the walls, tiny beads that would occasionally pool into a large drop that would roll down the paint. The carpets were damp a slightly darker color than usual, and the inside of the windows was peppered with condensation. Must have left a window open. She shook her head. 
I frowned, and in the silence, I heard a sound like running water come from upstairs, and the floorboards gave a creak. A single drop fell onto my nose. Then there was the water sound again, but this time it was deeper. The sounds isolated. It sounded like a voice. There was another creak on the floorboards, and I felt my heartbeat quicken. I caught my reflection in the window. When had I got so pale, so tall? Unless, we need to go. There was a tone of real urgency in her voice, and a hint of fear, just straining the vocal cords, clipping her vowels. Now, she didn't need to say any more. And so we went back out into the mist, her leading and me following behind, having to jog a little to keep up. She spoke as we walked through the empty streets, the only noise the occasional peal of tires on tarmac. Our grandfathers were not good men, Max. She stared ahead, took a right. They did bad things. Often, I noticed she walked with a slight limp, making her right shoulder stoop ever so slightly. And if he's back, that means that there are more bad things to come. You don't have to talk to me like a child, you know. She stopped dead in her tracks, turned to look at me, smiled to herself. Right, I don't want that thing that's claiming to be my grandfather coming anywhere near my family, understand? And I can be pretty sure you don't want it near yours. She started walking again. I caught my reflection in puddles and shop fronts as we passed, obscured by the wind and rain. I was sure that I hadn't been that pale last time I checked, that it hadn't been long enough, and my eyes, whenever I caught them, were always fixed straight back at me as if my reflection had been watching until I caught it. We started to leave town. Where are we going? Out. We walked for a little longer in silence. We were coming up to the river. It had swollen completely in the storm and had swamped the fields around it, even going so far as to fill a car park, and we could make out half a red fort under a faltering streetlight. The bridge was up ahead, and we both tried to speed up slightly as we crossed it. It was a good foot or two above the running water, but being suspended above it made me feel vulnerable. I could hear it. The river. I made the mistake of peering off the edge and saw for the first time my unbroken reflection. The lights along the bridge provided a sort of clarity to the image, and I could see a pale figure, not me, not Artie, something that was trying so hard to look human, with thin features and reptilian eyes, something that smiled as it saw me notice. And as I watched in mute horror, it lifted its hand and made a come here motion, and under the surface, I could make out other faces, other limbs, moving like weeds, tangling and grasping, fingers that almost broke the surface. And I realized that what I thought was a reflection maybe wasn't and perhaps something was lying there hidden under the surface until now, until the flood, and that maybe this thing had been lurking behind my image in every reflection, in the glass, in the puddles, in the river, just waiting for me to take a step closer. Max, she said my name the way she'd said it the first time, like it tasted like dirt. I hurried on, trying to shake the image from my mind. For a moment, just a moment, the water had seemed so inviting. They say when you drown, after the initial struggle, there's a moment of euphoria. People who've survived report a moment of bliss as the water rushes into their lungs. Maybe it's that the lack of oxygen in the brain stimulates some sort of emotional response. Maybe it's something else. I don't want to find out. We made it to a small cabin on the very edge of town, and Amy let me in. There was a small kitchen with a sofa and a bed in the back. I wouldn't go so far as calling it open plan, as I got the feeling that this was built before the concept of open plan was even a thing. She nodded to a blanket on the floor. That's for you. We didn't say much more as we got into our separate beds. She toweled off privately in the toilet, but I could still hear her shivering in the dark. 
Just before I drifted off to sleep, she spoke up. Did you see anything on the bridge? I thought for a while, considering pretending to be asleep. No, a pause. Me neither. In my dreams, I tried to stay away from mirrors and failed. The next day, I awoke to 15 missed calls. Shit. I didn't have the number saved, but it couldn't have been anyone but Dot. Shit, shit, shit. I stumbled up, necked a cup of coffee which was lukewarm on the counter. Amy was nowhere to be seen. The place was a tip. Smelled like cigarettes and sawdust. I made my way outside to see her sitting on a stump, chewing her nails. This was Artie's place. Ma wouldn't come back after he died. My dad used to sneak over when she was away with me and my brother. I said nothing. Didn't have anything to say. I made a move to leave, turned to say something before I left. I'm off, have to see someone. It's important. She looked at me for a while. In the morning light, her features seemed softer, more forgiving. She finished chewing a nail and spat it out, then spat again. Who? A friend. I'll come. I didn't have the energy to protest. I tried calling Dot back over and over again as we walked, and each time it went straight to voicemail. Each time I tried again. Who's this friend? I shook my head. Long story. Whatever Dot had been trying to tell me, we realized quickly on hitting the main street that we were never going to find out. There was a bunch of police tape stretched between streetlights and the glint of fluorescent jackets. Police. Shit. We pushed through the crowd that had gathered, working our way to the front. There was an ambulance and two paramedics crouched over something someone. This was Dot's usual spot, a little doorway in front of a shop that he was pretty friendly with, where he'd spend most nights, somewhere safe and warm and dry where he'd make no trouble. He'd leave at first light and clean up after himself. The figure, Dot. I tried explaining to the police that I knew him, that I needed to make sure that he was okay. His look told me all I needed to know. Dead. I tried asking how and when, thinking that maybe it was an overdose, and that this was maybe my fault, that with the money Dot had been able to buy more dope than he'd been used to, that when he'd finally found a withered little vein between his toes, he'd blasted it with enough heroin to kill a horse. But the police wouldn't budge. Amy watched, still chewing her nail, and just as I was beginning to get frustrated, she stepped in. She said something quietly to the policeman, something I couldn't quite make out. And for a second, his eyes glazed over. He shook his head as if zoning back in from a daydream and lifted the tape for us. Right this way. I looked at her, raised an eyebrow. She gave a half smile. I don't think she was particularly happy about helping me. The policeman called out to the medics. They're all good, don't worry. When I saw Dot, I had to bite my tongue to stop myself from making a noise. It wasn't an overdose. His body was bloated, his features distorted and swollen as if he'd drowned. His skin looked clammy and his hair was in ragged, wet strands on the pavement around him. His eyes bulged and as the paramedics tried to maneuver him onto the stretcher water dribbled from his open mouth. Even his stomach was bloated, stretching the wet fabric of his shirt so that you could see his skin between the buttons. A medic sighed as he came up behind us, spoke with the cold detachment of years of experience, or little regard for the homeless. Poor bastard managed to drown in a puddle. Must have been high as a kite. I wish I could have believed him, but I could see Dot's doorway. It was bone dry. We said little for the next hour or so. I was still trying to process it all. Bizarrely, I began to appreciate Amy's company a little. She didn't speak much, left me alone to deal with this, ordered us both coffee when I was too mute to reply. I finally spoke up. Gutter, 
He was finding me someone who knew this language. Well, I guess. Two languages. Gutter. It was going to help with. Max. I looked at her. I can speak it. I shook my head. It was a nice sentiment, but she probably didn't know the full extent. Probably had learned it here or there when she fell in with the wrong crowd and had no idea of the second. Hidden language. I elaborated. There are two languages that use the same words, I think. A lot of people can speak the first. The second is harder. Apparently, there are certain things, nasty things, you have to do, and without that, you can't understand the second part. Max, I know there are two gutters. I looked to Amy, and for a second I could tell that a memory was playing across her vision. She flinched slightly and bit her lip. I can speak both, and still, the well gets deeper. Now, that was the end of my tale. I hope you enjoyed yourself listening while escaping the world you live in. That is all for today. Safe travels and a blessed day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.